you are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. Thursday, August 17th, and we have another episode here for you today. Like the trend has been the last couple of weeks, all NFL, we're getting so close to the season. We have this week and next week left of divisional predictions, and that will leave us a week or two buffer in between to talk about some big things, do our playoff predictions, Super Bowl bubble type stuff that we normally do right before kickoff, and that will take us right into week one of the NFL season, which we are just amped for on the show. But today should be pretty good. We're going to start with the Tim's rant, as we normally do. Uh, on the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers situation over there, I feel like has been absolutely captivating this offseason, just waiting to see what's going to come out of the AFC East. Uh, we will have hits and misses to round out the first segment. In the second segment, NFC East predictions. Uh, so it's that time we get c- touch on the Cowboys, the, the Eagles... Giants, Commanders, Commanders. Uh, so get into that, and then we will have the NFC East superlatives at the end of the second segment. Into the third, we will have the news and, of course, a discussion this week about Justin Herbert, the Chargers, the new contract extension, so a lot to touch on there. We will round out the show with that, but guys, thank you for watching or listening. No matter how you are, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Amazon Prime Video, iTunes tunes um so the, the list keeps growing of platforms that we are on we have some huge show news to come next week uh we are just trying to figure out the best way to deliver it to you at this point uh but we are both very excited about it uh for that reason go sign up for the newsletter check out the website subscribe follow on any social media app that you possibly have and that we are on we're on most of them you can find all the links there the issuesports.com an exciting day i think this is one of the weirder divisions and we're going to talk about that in the second segment of course but they haven't had a back-to-back winner you know year wise in it's like 20 something years they haven't had somebody win it two years in a row so it's, it's an interesting division to predict like with that one year washington ends up winning hosts the buccaneers in a playoff game you're like how did they why would they how did they win that you know so it's gonna be a weird division but uh we all watched the hall of fame game last week and hard knocks came out on what was that thursday um or no Tuesday, I think. Uh, Jets joint practice with Carolina, the second preseason game. These are all things we've seen. The the Jets have been very, very much in the public eye so far this offseason. Um, and I know they're just preseason games. I know they're practices. But given all the access that we've had to the Jets and Aaron and, and the games and everything like that, um, I've had two primary conclusions, one leading to a third as well. One, I think the defense will still be very good. I'm not sure if it's going to be top three again, but I certainly believe that they are at worst top seven or eight. I mean, then it, it, that's expected. Saul is a defensive coach, really good front four, excellent corners, um, and they're good enough at linebacker and safety, which we've seen over the last couple of years, hasn't been quite as important as fronts and DBs. Uh, but the second takeaway, and I think the more, more important one, uh, is I absolutely do not buy the argument this is a 10-win team and a contender. I just don't, I don't see it so far, and I know, I know that it's preseason. I know that it's uh, joint practices, but there's things that I don't that I don't think are fixable, and I'll get to it later. But uh, but Dwayne Brown, for example, is in year like I don't know fifty at this point. 
um, and he's already hurt, right? So there's those those type of things. Um, I think there is a chance, albeit slim, that they get into the playoffs, though. I, I think it's a bottom five offensive line. I think that's the main concern. I mean, Makai Becton had to leave the Hall of Fame game because the turf wasn't great. Dude, I got news for you. I got your schedule pulled up right here. Um, let's see. Cowboys, that's going to be turf. Uh, your home field's turf. The Patriots is turf. Um, now, Denver and I think Kansas City are grass. Uh, the Giants is turf. Um, the, the Raiders is grass. Bills is turf. Like, you have, I don't know, 10, 11 games on turf this year. You can't just not play in 10 or 11 games. You're a right tackle. You're a first-round pick. You're actually supposed to be the left tackle. Ideally, you'd be playing left tackle right now. Like, you got to put on your big boy pants. you got to play. And you got to play well. And then Dwayne Brown, like I mentioned, year, I don't even know. I think it's 16, 17, 18 for him. He's already hurt. And generally speaking, big old bodies in a contact sport, they're not going to get healthier as the season goes on. Hey, Dwayne, go get in a car accident basically every Sunday for 16 weeks and see if you feel good. Like, it's, he's not going to get more healthy as the season goes on, and he's already hurt. I mean, look at the rankings for offensive lines and who else is down there. I mean, it's a bottom 5 to 10 offensive line. Who else is down there? I don't know, a lot of, like, non-playoff teams. Tennessee, Houston, Washington, the Rams, who I'm higher on, but still that's concerning for them as well. They missed the playoffs. The Cardinals, uh, the Giants, who everybody ex- expects to kind of take a step backwards and miss the playoffs this year. Like, that's not the region you want to be. Or you look at the top, it's like, the Chiefs and the Cowboys, and, I, and I don't, I'm not even a huge believer of the Cowboys, but they're still going to be a top 10 team. Philadelphia's up there. Like, that's where you want to be. San Francisco. So now, what does this lead to? All right, so off the line is bad. What does that mean? Well, I appreciate you asking. We saw it in full at that joint practice against Carolina. Aaron Rodgers having three and outs on two-minute drills. Not just, not just, hey, a couple first downs, drive stalled. You're telling me three and out in a joint practice with a very talented wide receiver group could not get a first down. He was visibly discouraged and pissed off afterwards uh, in his little press conference with the performance of the offensive line and the offense as a whole. And I know it's only two preseason games and some practices. Yes, I would agree with that. But we also do realize the season starts in less than a month. Like we have about three weeks until Aaron and that unit Suits up against Buffalo. Like, welcome to New York. Primetime, standalone game. Great pass rush. Like, that is three to three and a half weeks away. Like, there's a chance that gets very prickly. Like, that, these are things that I don't think are fixable in three weeks. Like, Mekhi Becton's not going to figure out how to play on turf or on grass. Like, he's not just going to magically figure out how to be good in the NFL. Dwayne Brown, as an old player, is not going to instantly get healthy. Like, that's not how it works. Right, there's a you look at their schedule, there is a very real chance they could be in some they could step in it big time. Right? You got so you yeah, you have Buffalo in the opener like we discussed. Then you have you go to Micah Parsons and company. You have New England in that defense, which by the way, you haven't beat them in seven years. I want to throw that out there. Oh and fourteen. Uh then you have the Chiefs and Mahomes who first of all they don't lose in the first four games like ever. They have like one loss uh in the first month of the season. And they'll most likely have Chris Jones, who's a top three interior defensive lineman. Uh, Denver, whose defense is likely top ten. Philadelphia with that front. The Giants with their front, which is the strength of their team. Khalil Mack and the Chargers. The Raiders with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who've had the most sacks, I think, since 2014. Chandler Jones. 
the Bills again, the Dolphins with Bradley Chubb, great new defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. Like, you don't get a break until after that with, uh, with like, Atlanta in week, what is that, like 11 at that point? And that's not even a total cakewalk. Grady Jarrett's a handful. Look, we have our AFC predictions next week, and we'll get more and more in-depth with this. But I cannot see this going very well, especially early season. There are a ton of landmines, and I just don't foresee that offensive line and an aging Aaron Rodgers to be able to pick up that type of slack. I just don't think it's going to work. I... They seem about 500 at best. I don't think they're a 10-win team. I don't view them as a contender. I barely view them as a playoff team. Uh, it's it's concerning to say the least. We know the games are won in the trenches, and they're not very good up front at all. Yeah. Um, one of the main things that you just touched on right at the end is the biggest thing to me, I think. The, the aging Aaron Rodgers playing with a bad offensive line, I think that could spell trouble in a lot of different places. Obviously, just the, the morale between the two, and... Aaron's attitude towards the offensive line, but I also think that you have to you have to call a spade a spade. You have to say what it is. Aaron Rodgers is an older quarterback, and he doesn't Gener- move as much as he did. Generally speaking, you are becoming more and more injury prone every single season you play. And if this is going to be the season where you get hit the most, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And 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 now to Aaron's credit, I, I feel like you know he was in the league what three years before he started, so he's like yeah. he's a younger whatever he is thirty eight or whatever. But at the end of the day, 38's 38. 38's 38. And also, like, he, so yes, he's younger, but it's like he, I, it, he's had, like, what, two or three collarbone surgeries. Like, these are things that, I don't know, it just doesn't. They compound on each other. He moves less and less each year, and you could tell it's because he doesn't want to get outside the pocket and take those hits. Yeah, and I think one thing that people just forget about is once the NFL season starts rolling, once you start like getting into actual regular season games, it's really hard to make big changes and big adjustments. So, I mean, if it's not looking like it's coming together now, I feel like everybody goes into a lull a little bit during the offseason because it's so long and you don't have football yeah. for a while and there's a lot of changes being made and a lot of time to fix it. Hey, we're looking at week two of the preseason now, right? Like we have one more preseason game left and then we are right into the season. Also another point, Aaron's never been, again, yes, he's a young 38. I, I, no, he's never been viewed as somebody who's like a Brady-level take-care-of-his-body in the offseason. Right? Yeah. He's like going and doing hikes in the rainforest. Like that's, <laughs> and I'm not saying he's not fit and he's not you know, capable sure. of being professional athlete-level fit, but it's like he's not this not guy like who's that. obsessive over his body. Like a couple hits could ding him big time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, guys, it's that time. Let's go. Hits and misses. All right, hit number one. I know it was only one preseason game. Um, but Jordan Love was exactly what we had predicted. I think I said last year, like right after the season, I said, can Jordan Love be a safe, slightly below average to like middle of the road? Can he be somewhere between 22 and 16 in terms of the best quarterback in the league? Um, can he be somewhere around there? If so, I think they'll move on. And clearly, you know, obviously they did move on. So clearly they view him as that middle of the road, slightly below average quarterback because he went seven for 10 for like 40 something yards, right? All underneath stuff, get the ball out quick. We don't want to trust him with big reads, nothing dynamic, no playmaking down the field. It is, you're, you're in a two, three step drop. It's pick and stick. It's Anything within three yards of the line of scrimmage, pick it, stick it, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I said. Can he be can he be a pick it, stick it, average type quarterback? If so, I think they'll move on from Aaron. Clearly that's what they think because that's exactly what they're giving him with the play calling and the play design. They're telling you exactly what they think of him, which is exactly what we thought of him. Yeah, um, it should be just very basic. You know, know your know your plays, know your reads. 
go through them. If it's not there, I mean, try to do what you can. Maybe throw it away. But throw like, it away. He, he's you, got you, some athletic wiggle, so... Yes, but you just don't want him to try to do too much. I think if he tries to take the game too much into his hands, that's when you run into problems. And, and it's weird because at Utah State, um, now there was... I think this is the, the one of the times that the media was actually good about comparing somebody to a star. Uh, people said there's some Mahomes to him. Nobody said he is Mahomes level, but he had that kind of run around, big arm, different arm slot type yeah. playmaking ability at Utah State. And now it seems like it's completely switched to it's like, hey, don't lose the game for us. Pick it and stick it for four yards an attempt. Yeah. And it's just, I, you know, I don't know how successful that's going to be. And I can't wait to watch. Yeah. Miss number one here. Uh, we say it a lot, and it's so true. We say it on this show. I've heard it on other shows as you know, as small as some random show on TikTok or as big as ESPN, Fox Sports. Where you land as a quarterback, especially as a first-round quarterback, is the most important thing. Like, unless you're a generational Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence prospect, you are not going to turn around a bad franchise. You will get engulfed by it. Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields at this point. Now, I think... You know he's he has things that he can do to clean up to make him not five and twenty. But at the end of the day, it's the Bears, and they haven't had a good quarterback since Sid Luckman in like the thirties. Yeah. So it's like you will get swallowed up, and I think that's a huge reason um, that why that we thought Trey Lance would be pretty good. We're like big, strong, can move, big arm, uh, young. He's going to be cheap in that Kyle Shanahan offense. He'll be fantastic. They'll teach him accuracy and efficiency. Um, well, that has just not been the case. No, uh, I. I I don't know. You know, he's not the guy for this roster. I don't know what his future is. He still seems like a project. How long are you going to give him? Is somebody give him going to give him another shot? I'm not sure what the answer is right now. It's not looking great. Um, but we expected him to be good because of where he landed, and he has not been so far. Yeah, we talked about it. I think oh, that was last week or two weeks ago. Uh, we did, like, a what do you do with Trey Lance video. Yeah. And, um, I mean, injuries can sink a career. And we know that, especially yeah. early on. I think it... It does matter. And like we said, it's not going to be fair. Life isn't fair. And the NFL certainly is not fair. It is a multi-billion dollar business. Um, So, look, if you have a guy that's going to get hurt, you haven't seen anything from him. But that roster is in a win-now state. So, like, you don't exactly have the time to be like, okay, let's develop him. Let's take two, three seasons and try to figure out what this is. Because by that time, what does the rest of your team look like? Right. No, I would agree, especially with, uh, like, McCaffrey, who's been around a little bit. He's been dinged up a couple times. George Kittle plays really physical. Trent yeah. Williams is getting up there. Debo plays physical as well. So A lot of concerns. Yeah. Hit number two here. We've been pretty big fans of Shane Steichen on the show um, and in his work with, you know, Justin Herbert, turning Jalen Hurts around. Um, and as the now head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, he has named Anthony Richardson the starting quarterback going into week one. Well, I mean, week one's not for you know a month or so, but you know what I mean. Like, he's already named the starter for the regular season. Uh, that's who it should be. That's the right move. You have a young quarterback. Surround him with guys. Give him confidence. Like, plus, you have to let him play. you got to see what we got here. Yeah. They're not going to be very good. whether Unless he is Mahomes-level good, which I think there's about a 99.9% chance he won't be. I think we can safely say that. He's got some of the raw talent, too, but I, we, we all know that he won't be. They're not going to be very good. And so you have to see what you have, because if not, you're still going to be drafting the top 10. You could turn around and draft a guy next year in a really, yeah. really good class. Like we saw that with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray, right? Like it's not, you know, against the rules. I know you want to give him time to develop, but you have to see if there's something there worth developing. I think that's how you do it in the first, you know, this first season here. And I think he can end up being pretty good, though. I, like, I oh, think his I, projections. I think so, too. Um, you know, now looking back on it, he was a guy that I did not like over Will Levis, but now seeing things from camp, yeah. hearing things from camp, 
I would like uh, Anthony Richardson over Will Levis for sure. Um, and if he can pop, then they have something to build around at least. They have a direction that they want to move in. Yeah. So, like, I, yeah, he might not be the guy, and that does give them the safety net of drafting again very, very soon. But I think it also, like, what if he's good? Like, yeah, what if then, he comes then, out then and you're he in plays business. like a, I'm not going to say Josh Allen level, but it at least shows hints that he could get there eventually. Then you're rolling. You're yeah. good to go. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was an interesting uh, quote from Sean Payton when he was still, like, doing stuff for Fox. He said, like, for the first, for the first like, 10, 15 picks, like, you're drafting prototypes. Mm-hmm. Like, we could sit here and say, like, oh, this undersized quarterback is going to be good. Yes, he might be, but, like, he's a... When you're drafting that high, take the chance and draft a prototype. Like, Anthony Richardson is the prototype quarterback. 6'4", 6'5", like 250, can move physical big arms. So, he is the prototype. It could definitely work out. Mr. Bertur, I didn't think the Jets would go for Dalvin Cook. I thought Carolina would be a good spot, and you're not paying your quarterback. You're off the line shaky, so supporting supporting, – them with a good back that can make people miss will help them as well. They have a good front four, good offensive coach, uh, weaker division. I thought it made sense, um, but the Jets end up getting him. Didn't see it happening, but uh, it, it's definitely a game changer in the room for the Jets. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I think that's going to be huge. Uh, the only problem that I worry about is, like we talked about, their offensive line is bad. So, like, think, who's blocking for him? I think the dump-off game from Aaron, because he's going to be getting a lot of pressure, the hot route dump-off yeah. to a Dalvin Cook, a lot like how Herbert uses Austin Eckler mm-hmm. right out of the backfield. Like, I think that is where Dalvin Cook's going to get a ton of touches. Well, that's how Aaron Jones got so many touches last year with yeah. Rodgers. and I think it makes sense. And you look at aging quarterbacks, like Brady had uh, James White for a while, right? And then yeah. he gets to uh, Tampa. Ronald Jones was pretty decent out of the backfield. They always you know? usually Leonard have Fournette. that guy that they can throw they it to. They have a guy they can throw it to, for sure. Hit number three here. Uh, I said each and every trade request from James Harden, which we don't talk a ton of NBA, but he's a superstar. We do talk some NBA superstar and, and big news there. Um, I've said he's a terrible superstar. I wouldn't build my team around him. I wouldn't sign him. I'd cut him instantly. I'd cut my losses. I'd pay him $40 million to not play for me. Um, and we generally keep personal opinions off the show as well, but I don't care for him personally either. He's somebody that forces his way out. Uh, parties his way out, drinks his way out of situations, uh, and then blames the team for not being good enough. Meanwhile, he was the one that's not good enough. He can't honor a contract. Um, Usually if I rip somebody, it's professionally, but I don't like James Harden from the person to the professional to the basketball player. Uh, Of course, he goes out and rips, you know, the Sixers organization who has given him basically everything he wants, and he has not delivered. So I'm I'm about done with James Harden. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just so drama-filled. Uh, that's part of the reason why I don't love basketball is because it's just it's a ton of drama, stupid drama stories. Yeah, I would agree with you. Mr. Number three, it seems like Trey Turner was listening to us uh, when we said that he was pretty bad. What was that last week or two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, I said he's been not very good for somebody who's getting paid like $311 million over the next 10 or 11 years. He's not been very good. Um, this happened to us with us with the Penguins. Like We'd be like, <laughs> oh, they're on a skid. Then they'd go win like six straight. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, my God, they're good again. Then they'd lose like 10 straight. Uh, same thing with Trey Turner, right? He was bad. We called him out on it. And he's, uh, you know turn around and he's hitting like 430 since then like he's been on a tear did you see the uh standing o that they gave him yeah the thing with the fans so like they just all started to like randomly give standing ovations every time he came up to bat to just rally around him let him know uh, hey man we still got your back he started hitting after that yeah i thought it was awesome he felt it yeah good for trey good for trey good for the phillies he bought out a bunch of uh billboards in philadelphia to thank thank you for like he seems like a top-notch guy yeah he seems like like one of those guys that you know how pittsburgh does has those guys even though you know that we don't even win anything in baseball ever but like you'll have those guys that were in the organization that you just always feel attached to i would drink a white huggy with trey turner i'm just throwing that out there 
God bless a white huggy, huh? All right, guys, on the other side of the break, we only got two divisional predictions left. That's it. We're we're down to it. NFC East. All right, so stick around. It's going to be a good one. NFC East predictions and superlatives coming at you next. Welcome in. Welcome back. Favorite segment here for the last, what, six weeks. This is now week seven. We have one more after this. Yeah, how about it's it? our divisional predictions. We have the NFC East this week. Uh, and then after this, you know, after we'll do the superlatives, the MVP, offensive player, defense player, breakout, and coach of the year. Super exciting time. NFL season's literally right around the corner. We are like three and a half weeks out. Wait, no. So from the day this is released, we are, what, three weeks out. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. Can't wait. Three weeks out from that initial Thursday night game. Um, very, very excited, guys. Thanks for watching, listening, whatever you're on, Spotify, YouTube, etc. You know them all. Um, we appreciate you guys You know, stopping in. We appreciate the support. Like, comment, do all that fun stuff. Subscribe. We'll have some big show news coming up to you guys. Um, and it's only going to get better as we get into the NFL season. So you're joining us at the right time if you are new here. Thank you very much. We, we certainly appreciate it. For sure, for sure. It's that time. Right, so I mentioned we only have two more left. We have battled through almost every single division in the NFL, giving our predictions, one of our favorite things that we do here on the show. We're rounding it out strong. Last two weeks, this week, the NFC East. Here we go. If you're new here, we always start at the bottom of the division and work towards the top. So we'll start in the basement with the Washington Commanders. Somewhere around five, maybe six wins if Sam Howell ends up being somewhat decent. I don't see the um, I don't see Sam Howell being that guy. To me, it reminds me a little bit of a Baker Mayfield. Kind of shorter, stockier, doesn't move as well as you thought he did yeah. coming out of college. Accurate, but not pinpoint. Uh, good arm, but not great. Just a lot of very average. Now, I do think he's more mature. You know, upstairs, he's more mature, mature right? And yeah. He's not calling out any medical staff. But then again, he also hasn't been under the microscope, so we don't really know 100%. Um, and then you're hearing some stuff out of the building. Eric Bieniemy, you know, talking a bunch of stick to the players. And Ron Rivera, and over the last five seasons as a head coach, going back to his time in Carolina, hasn't been a very winning head coach. So there's a lot of things working against them. And I do think the division's pretty strong. Like I don't, I'm not a huge New York Giant fan, and I don't think I don't think they're going to be very good. Um, but even then, they're around 500. Like that's yeah. still a strong, gonna vie for the seventh seed in the playoffs type team. Um, so I think Washington kind of gets lost in the wash. You know, no pun intended here. Um, and they end up being around 5-12, and 12, definitely last place. Yeah. You know, you can debate the record, but I think it's fairly consensus that they are a last place roster. I think one of the biggest things, too, that you have to like take into, into consideration here, like you were talking about with the coaching, is the lack of it. There is no control over this team. Ron Rivera has never proven to have any control yeah. over drama in the locker room, media exploding stories and getting stories that never should have gotten out. Should not right? have been like, it, It's just a very leaky locker room and that doesn't win in the nfl like look around did you ever worry about bill belichick and the coaching staff there no kansas city in kansas no. city you don't worry about Even it Pittsburgh, Tomlin, you yeah. don't worry about yep. it i mean you look around at the good well-run franchises baltimore. and you don't find that yeah baltimore yeah that's why i was a little it was a little weird with the lamar thing like that was the first time i think they've been in a very uncomfortable spot like right that, so i feel like they nipped um, in the butt pretty well though also one thing that I, you know everyone's gonna you know, I'm sure the comments will, well, Washington's defense is really good. And, yes, they do have some talent, especially in the front four. My concern is that, gets thin first in the secondary. of all, gets thin in the secondary. The linebackers leave a little bit to be desired as well. And at the end of the day, like, we, we go through all these teams and people are like, well, they have an elite defense. Well, you can only have so many top ten defenses. Like, you can only, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like we're at a saturation point. 
when you're like, oh, they have like a top 10 level defense. And then you get to Washington and you're like, is it though? Like, is it? Because lately, lately it's been more like closer to 20 than 10. Right. But people want to throw that out there because they have Chase Young and a defensive head coach. Like, oh, they have an elite defense. Like, really? Because no. you, you, you go look at the other quote-unquote top 10 teams and they're a lot less talented. And so. look, Chase Young has been rumored to be being moved and leaving Washington yeah, so know. many times this yeah. offseason. Like, trade yeah. deadline. If they're if they're bad at the trade deadline, that's that's what I would. He's going for. elsewhere. I think so. Uh, third place here, the New York Giants. Again, I'm not a huge you know buyer on the Giants, but I do think they're an eight and nine, seven and ten, eight and nine team. At least competitive in almost every game. Yeah, my concern is the players. Now it's not going to kick in quite as much this year. They're going to be able to keep a lot of the same guys, but going forward, when Daniel Jones' contract starts to get a little bit bigger, right now you're paying Saquon. There was yep. already an issue there. Um, the offensive line still isn't good. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, is fantastic. Evan Neal as a rookie at right tackle was not very good. The interior, ooh, ooh, the interior, not good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, wide receiver still leaves a ton to be desired. The front four, front seven-ish, very good. Outside of that, not a ton to work with. And Daniel Jones is not good. It gets thin quick. I don't like Daniel Jones. I mean, he's always been, you know, decent uh, and good enough. Not anywhere close to what they value him and what they're paying him. And like you said, it's only going to get worse. Like, you already struggled to pay Saquon. What happens next year when Daniel Jones is getting paid even more and Saquon still needs a contract? Like, are you even going to be able to keep him? Uh, But for this season... I see them being competitive. I don't see them doing anything crazy. I don't see them setting the world on fire and winning a bunch of games that they shouldn't. I think they'll maybe steal a game here or there. But I think they're also going to play down to competition in a two to three to four games. So it, it'll even out. Eight and nine, nine and eight maybe. At best. But yeah. this team is a third-place team. It's a born-and-made third-place team. I would agree. Uh, now the top two, which is pretty consensus top two. Um, I We're in the camp that Dallas is going to be fairly average to above – slightly above average, um, and we think Philly's great. Um, so I would go Dallas 11-6. and six. No. Uh, I do like Dak. I think Dak is somewhere between the 10th and 14th best quarterback, and I think that's very, very good. Um, I think he's good enough to win you 10 games. Um, the receiving core is good. I do worry if CeeDee Lamb rolls an ankle or goes down. Uh, who's their number one? It's Brandon Cooks. I don't love that idea. Uh, Michael Galvin, Brandon Cooks, I don't love those being the two and three. Uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of miles under Brandon Cooks, you know, in his in his past. Uh, no Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard going back to college has only had like two or three games with uh, more than 20 carries. So, like, mm-hmm. he's not the bell cow back. You need somebody else. He's more gadget out of the backfield explosive. I worry if he's got to get 25 carries. We also have never seen anything from Dallas. I've heard so much hype for so long. It's at the point now where I'm like, look, I am not buying into this team until I see actual proof of that on the field. And I don't see this year being really any different. There's nothing new this year that that wasn't there in the last couple years for me to hang my hat on and say, you know what, Dallas is going to be able to maybe turn it around this year. I mean, you're in a division with two teams that are right. definitely significantly worse than you, just talent-wise on the roster. So, yes, you're going to finish above Washington. You're going to finish above New York. But now you have to compete with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. But I, will, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Right, but on the flip side, I think they win 10, 11 games because their defense is really good. Um, and at the end of the day, Dak is an above-average quarterback. Well, we have, I think we, those are the two main things that you need, and they, they have them. And we have them splitting. So, like, just for reference, we have them splitting with the Giants. I think we have them beating the Giants, splitting with uh, with Philly, I believe. No, 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 no. We have them. Do we? I thought, I, I don't know. I, I What do you think about that? Do you think they, they beat do, Philly in Philly? No, I think they beat Philly at home. Is it really that much different of a game? 
Yeah, I think it's yeah. With that pass well, rush, so, getting no, I, after Dak like that? I do think that they, they match up really well in division, though. Philly's a tough matchup for them, but they they do match up really, really good with New York. Okay. So, I don't know. We'll see. All right, number one, the team that we think is great, I think is going to be very good. Now, I do worry them them losing their two coordinators, Philadelphia at 13-4. and four. I worry about them losing both offensive and defensive coordinators. That's tough. Shane Steichen is, has been really, really good. Yeah. You know, we saw when Josh Allen loses Brian Dable. Well, how is it now? A bit of a regression. Right, and even Justin Herbert, who still seems like he's growing, I do think that jump from what he was while he had Shane Steichen, like that development, he hasn't reached that that type of development. Like, yeah. I think he would be still better okay. with Shane Steichen. Like, Shane Steichen has been a fantastic quarterback development guru and offensive coach. He's now out of the building. Nick Sirianni's calling plays. Go look statistically when he was calling plays. The offense is not the same. Uh, they dip about 50 yards a game. I think it's like four points per game. Like, and they win less. So it's it's something. I don't think it's everything because I think at the end of the day, they have the most talented roster in the division. And I think they have the second most talented roster in the NFC. So at the end of the day, they're still going to be very good. Yeah. I worry about the ceiling now. Not I think mention. they're going to be good enough to beat almost everybody except for that top tier, the San Francisco's, Kansas City's, Buffalo's. Yeah. I worry there. I worry about the coaching losses for sure. I think that's probably the biggest negative that you have coming out of this offseason, right? Because everywhere else, you either stayed the same or got better. I mean, they killed the draft. They won the draft, in our opinion. I mean, nobody drafted like the Eagles did. Nobody yeah, did. They was up there, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the steals that they've gotten. And even yeah. in the years, Pat, last year with A.J. Brown. Just shopping huge in Georgia. Good. So, I mean... I think it's a great place to shop if you're looking for defensive players, too. Um, either way, this team is going to be very good. They are going to be the best team out of the NFC. You think so? I think they're going to— Better than the Niners? I think they're going to be better than the Niners. And outside of that, it's really tough to start finding guys, other teams and organizations in the NFC that will be able to compete with a Philadelphia. I'll I mean, because they added so much talent. I love Nick Sirianni. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with the Niners over them, though. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Now, the Niners might not have the Little better person. record in— yeah, like in the regular season, but I do think I think the Niners come out of the NFC this year. Interesting. It's very interesting. Brock Purdy's gonna be playing in the Super Bowl. Depends how, how that it? depends how that quarterback situation shapes up. Yeah, we'll see. All right, take us back down. All right, so we got Philadelphia at number one, thirteen and four. Dallas at eleven and six. The Giants at eight and nine, and Washington at five and twelve to round out the NFC East. That is the NFC East. Going to be a great division. It usually is. I mean, even when we thought it was going to be like a tire fire of a division, like it was what we predicted that like two, three years ago, it still ended up being at least somewhat competitive. Um, so never go wrong with those teams there. But now it's time to talk about the players that will be putting them in those spots. So we're talking MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Breakout Player, and Coach of the Division in the NFC East. All right, MVP. Here we go. Let's start with, I think this is, I don't want to say fairly obvious, but I think it's fairly obvious. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts. Okay, yeah. I, I, was like, I, I wanted to say it and see if you were like on the same page. Like, I think... First of all, dynamic with the legs. He's only going to get better as a thrower. He mm-hmm. has so far in the league. like And the leadership, the likability. Like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pushback on yeah. Jalen Hurts as the MVP. Plus, when, in terms of value, his ability to do both and the production that he provides, being able to run or throw. I mean, the rushing touchdowns, the yards. Like, he is, he is production at every turn. Yeah. So, in terms of most valuable, yeah, like, he probably accounts for more offense than anybody in the division. 
But he also has it all upstairs at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, you're talking like mentally? Yes. Yeah, like super crisp, great leader, yeah. And, I mean, nobody can deny, deny the Super Bowl performance. I mean, he was great. Outside of that weird with fumble. A, with a, yeah, that was bad. That's the with, only with thing. A, with a bum shoulder, too. Yeah. What, he put up like 450? He threw his ass off. And, I mean, up until the, the later parts of that game was just on fire. And he's, I would say, the main reason why... Philadelphia turned around as quick as they did. I mean, yes, they added a lot of pieces, and yes, Nick Sirianni is amazing. But at the same time, you oh, can't hurts you can't take away from the fact of what Jalen did. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, like, yes, there's other factors, but he is the catalyst and the leading cause yeah. of their little mini turnaround after right. they pivoted off Wentz. Um, offensive Player of the Year, I think Saquon Barkley, and there's even an argument for in terms of most valuable player. Again, the word value, what he means to that offense. Like when you have a below average quarterback, which they do, Daniel Jones, and a below average offensive line, the running back becomes wildly important on pretty much every play. Whether you're carrying the ball, if you're in pass protection because the line's not very good, and then if you are like out of the backfield pass catching because you're going to need to be a quick hot route if he feels pressure. Yeah. So in terms of what Saquon Barkley can do and the production that he provides, there's an argument from most valuable so we'll give him the nod here for offensive player of the year mm-hmm. um, he is dynamic he's a top three to five back i worry a little bit about injuries it's been a while since he put together like two or three straight years like he's you know he was hurt for for a couple years there but i do think he's healthy for most of the games which i'll take if he's a, if he gives me 14 really nice games i'll take it yeah. all day the fact day. that he is so dominant and i would say just explosive in general and on top of it, the Giants don't have that great of a quarterback, so they need to prop him up a little bit, and they almost let him walk. The running back, yes. Saquon. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's that's not the right move in that situation. Most <laughs> of the times I would say, yes, no. sign the quarterback, let the running back walk, but not here. Uh, our defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons. I think there's a real chance for him to win league defensive player of the year. Awesome. Um, he's that good. He's now pretty much transitioned to, to almost solely pass rush, like edge rusher, as opposed mm-hmm. to he was kind of like a rangy linebacker his first year. Could play anywhere, really. Um, I think this is good we, for him. Yeah, we know that the more impactful position is pass rusher over like middle linebacker right now. Um, it's weird because the the league kind of pivoted from like a Patrick Willis, Ray Lewis, um, Navarro Bowman, like and inside line, yeah. like an inside line. Well, no, James James on the oh, edge. Yeah, I'm talking from an yeah. inside linebacker, like heavy defensive led like league basically. Yeah. Again, Ray Lewis, you know Patrick Willis, like those type of guys in the middle. Like if you didn't have one of those guys, man, that sucks. Like. For a while for Pittsburgh, Lawrence Timmons was a guy in the middle. Like, Larry Foote yeah. was that guy. Um, well, I think... One, and so it's, it's transitioned into an edge rusher sport. And I think that's yes. good for Parsons. I think one of the biggest reasons for that is how vigilant the referees are on taking hits away over the middle. I mean, like... That's fair, yeah. It used to be, like, you need that guy to knock the number one receiver out of the game. Like, that was the oh, strategy. Oh, like, you just... You would drop your middle linebacker back and just... He'd just sit there waiting for somebody. Yep, as soon as he comes yep. over the middle, just take his head off. Yep. And then you don't have to worry about him for the rest of the game. Patrick Willis was fantastic. I miss watching him play. Yeah, I miss watching Ray Lewis, too. As much as I hated playing against him, he was very good at him. Yeah. All right, breakout player of the year. Um, wide receiver in Washington, Jahan Dotson. Second-year guy out of Penn State. Um, I think with Scary Terry on the other side, the lack of ability for defenses to double him frequently is super helpful because he's a crisp route runner. Like, really good. 
Um, I don't want to say reminds me of like a Devontae Adams. I would say like so. So Garrett Wilson, the the, the guy for the Jets, has been drawing a lot of comparisons to Devontae yeah. Adams. Yes, because he's playing with Aaron, and Aaron kind of threw out a little. You know, reminds me a little bit of young Devontae. Um, but in terms of like route running, hands, like that that crisp nature of the routes, Jahan Dotson also fits that bill for me. Yeah. Like twitchy, good routes, like great at the top of the route. And so you can't double him. And guys that are really good at the top of the route, when you can't double them, that's super tough to defend. Yeah. Um, I think there's a chance he goes for 13, 1,400 yards, like really, really productive this year. Yeah. The only thing is, and the I, only thing I hope is yeah. that the quarterback can get him the damn say, ball. I was just about to say, like, that's the only concern. Really. Yeah. I mean, you have Sam Howell thrown to you. So, I mean, I, I see more problems with that than with him actually as, like, a receiver. And, you know. I agree. I think he's going to be open a lot. He needs a good quarterback. I, we don't. We just don't know with Sam Howell. He could make us eat, us, eat our words and just be a stud. I don't think. I don't so. see that happening. I don't see it. I don't see that. it happening. There's been crazier things. I mean, going into last year, if I would have said Nick Sirianni is going to be coach of the year level, was he coach of the year? I think he was coach of the year. Yeah. He's going to be coach of the year. Jalen Hurts is going to be an MVP. I'd be like, you're absolutely crazy. He was an MVP, but an MVP level player. Right. And they're going to go to the Super Bowl and almost win it. I'd be like, no. I mean, shot. yeah, you're right, Chris. And no, I'm not. Have, I'm, not I'm, I'm not predicting Washington to be that, but I'm just saying. Okay. Now, I'm just saying that's going to be the limiting the factor. Table. The limiting factor here could be. We'll say could be the quarterback. That's fair. Happy with that. Okay, so now we have a little bit of time. Now, now there's like two teams I think in each like AFC and NFC that are like betting favorites to finish last, but like have the potential to be good, but we all think probably won't be. Cleveland and Washington. I don't know if that description makes sense, but like, has the talent. If Deshaun was 2019 Deshaun Watson, people would have Cleveland as the number one team in the division with the talent around them. Yeah. But now they're like slated to finish last. Washington, now not as much talent, but they're also slated to finish last, but you don't really know what the quarterback, so it wouldn't like astonish you if they ended up being pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. Who would you take, Cleveland or Washington right now? Cleveland. You take Cleveland? I would take Cleveland. I think I would probably lean Cleveland. Cleveland has more pieces. To me, they feel like they're pretty close to the same level. I think Cleveland's a little bit better. I think Cleveland's closer to like a seven-win team. I think we had them. Yeah. and Washington's five or six at best. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like Cleveland more than It's just interesting. All right. Coach of the division. Coach of the year for for that division. Uh, Nick Sirianni. I mean, he's got – first of all, he's going to win the most games. I think that's pretty important. Um, now, if Brian Dable, so he'll be somewhere around 8 and 9, 9 and 8. If he got to, like, 11, I would probably say Brian Dable because what he's able to do with, with Daniel Jones in a bad offensive line. Yeah. Like, Nick Sirianni's working with more. But I do think Nick Sirianni calling plays this year, if they succeed. That's it, all it on was, him. It was not all, but it was more on his plate. Yeah. Like, he did more to, to affect it. Like, he put more on his plate this year than he had last year. Like, that's – I can respect that. Like, so if they can succeed with that change and with the coaching changes that they've made, like, that that's a that's a huge credit to him. Yeah, I agree. There's some good ones in this division, and those are two of the best. All right, so Perlow's MVP, Jalen Hurts, Offensive Player of the Year, Saquon Barkley, Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons, Jahan Dotson as the breakout player, and Eagles coach Nick Sirianni as coach of the division for the NFC East. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, stick around. On the other side of the break, we're going to have news stories and then a discussion on Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Don't go anywhere. Here we go. Third segment, episode 199, Thursday, August 17th. It's been a great show so far. We only have one division left to predict as of now. 
AFC yep. East next week. Uh, go back if you somehow missed it. The NFC East. We just did the predictions and the superlatives. So go check that out. Posted its own video on YouTube. You can find the YouTube link along with all of the other show links on theissuesports.com. You can find the links to the Issue Podcast, but also the Players Only Podcast, Episode 2, coming out at the end of the week. Should be dropping on uh, Saturday morning, uh, so you're going to want to go check that out. It's going to be a good one. Other than that, we have a ton of show news. So next week, we have some big news to break here on the show. Make sure you are subscribed to the newsletter. So go to theissuesports.com right there on the homepage. Put in the email. Click submit. It'll send something over to your email to make sure you just confirm it, and you will be getting the newsletter. You're not going to want to miss it because we're also going to be running a NFL kickoff giveaway starting on Saturday as well when the Players Only podcast drops. Um, So... Follow Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, any main social media app that you would possibly need to be aware of a giveaway. And everything will be announced on the, over the weekend for that. Nice. It'll be good. Can't wait. But for now, we have some news in this segment we're going to start with, and then we're going to have a discussion on Justin Herbert and the Chargers to finish things out. But first, the news. Story number one here. Kind of a not a good story. Um young shortstop for the Rays, Wander Franco, has been left. He's on the restricted list, you know, staying home on the road trip that lasts a week here for the Rays. Um, Due to allegations, accusations about him potentially being in a relationship with a minor, like as young as 14 years old, um, definitely not what you want to see from a a human perspective but then also from a baseball perspective Wander Franco has been hitting the cover off the baseball for the last like month um so if you're looking into you know how the Rays are going to handle this probably not very well um yes they have a lot of talent but Wander Franco has been a stud bat in the middle of their lineup now for the last you know month month and a half he's really been really been tearing it up so from a baseball sports perspective not good for the Rays also not good for anybody involved really you hate to see stories like this you you just hate it and plus like these are guys that are looked up to by people all around uh, communities people across the nation right you don't even have to be in the city to be a fan and you're gonna go ahead and do something like this just something that it's not even it's not baseball related it's it's nothing this is just a straight character thing a hundred that's a great way to put it it's just it's just the character of the person which is clearly not good right now um you, you never like to see it, no matter what you're talking about, baseball, any sort of sporting industry or not. Right. We, we were talking about this on, like, Sunday or Monday. Sunday night. We were saying, like, not that it makes it, like, it does, it's not, there's no, there's no way to, like, sugarcoat it, but there's a way, like, it's never good. But how do you, in the, in the age of social media and phones and everything like that, how are you still, like, this dumb? Like, we've seen people try to, like test it and be like oh like i can get away with this like they'll like social media will never expose that like no you will get got every time like how many athletes are we gonna see first of all do do dumb things and then expect to not get caught like with the age of phones social media like the amount of mass communication that can get out like yeah like does that not run through your head at all like first of all the thought of being in a relationship with 14 or something in your head at all but then to be still like you didn't need like there was no like fact checker there was no like screening process in your brain for yeah. this like at all there was and no there was no sifting of the of the information that was going into your brain now did you see some of this news story now i'm not sure how accurate or how true it is maybe you can help out here 
but I saw that. So during that relationship, he was paying her hush money because she was saying, "Oh, that's what I that's that's what I saw as well." Was that on what Barstool? I think Jack Max said I that think or something. So, or yeah, so guys on there? he was. Yeah, they dove into it, and apparently he was paying her. I think monthly or, or at some point to keep her quiet about it and then he started to refuse to pay that and i think that's when she came forward now i'm not 100 percent. that's not confirmed as I, I know i mean like if you could would that make it worse like does that make it worse that what makes it worse it because it worse? that shows like pure intent you knew what you were exactly. doing exactly i mean like, i mean you yeah. always know what you're doing to come but it's, to that, it's but worse like, it's, it's the whole like joe paterno covering up right, type thing right. you know i get it it's not good not good, so hopefully the MLB and the Rays can kind of kind of work through that investigation and, you know, figure out what's going on there. Short number two here, I guess more positive in a sense. The Patriots signed Ezekiel Elliott to a one-year deal worth up to $6 million. Obviously, we talked about Dalvin Cook earlier getting up to, I think it was $8.6 million yeah. um, with the Jets. So Zeke slightly lower than that. My only concern is that the Patriots, they don't lack toughness. They don't lack physicality. They don't lack fundamentals on offense, which is everything that Zeke does well at this point. What they lack is boom potential. They lack explosiveness. They lack speed and agility. Like they don't have a playmaker that can separate from people and can can run through defense. Like Tony Pollard would be a much better fit. Like one of like Dalvin Cook would have been a better fit. A dynamic playmaker. Zeke is just short yardage, pass protection, veteran that's not gonna lose you games. That's what you have a whole team full of, pretty much, outside of Mac Jones. Exactly. It just <laughs> it's such a Patriot signing. It feels like they are they already have this in house with the Ramondre Stevenson. Yes, and I think now they're overpaying for what they already had. Um, but you're right, you need somebody who's going to when you kinda need it, rip off a ninety three yard run for you no need, reason. You need cheap, you know what I mean? You need cheap plays. Like you, you not everything can be a fourteen play drive where you're picking up three yards a carry. You need somebody that's gonna crank out a sixty, seventy, eighty yard run maybe once or twice a season that's gonna get you an extra touchdown to possibly push you ahead. Exactly. Like you need those splash plays. And that was my worry with Kansas City losing Tyreek Hill last year. It's like I'm not worried about can Mahomes be efficient and complete a lot of passes and go more underneath. Like, but where are like, the 98-yard bombs going to come but from? But where are like, the, 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 the quicker, cheaper touchdowns? Like Sometimes you rely on, can we get, you know, for Mahomes, and them, it's like, can we get one a game? But yeah. Most people are like, can we get one a month? Can we get one cheap touchdown a month to push us over the edge for one game a month? Some teams are, can we get one this season? Patriots, that's the Patriots. Can yes. they get one in the entire season? Zeke's not going to help with that. No. Story number three are Michael Orr. Um, has released now this is interesting released like allegations I don't know how like formal his like I don't know if he's suing them yet I, I, I don't think he's formally like suing them quite yet I would imagine he's going to uh, blaming the the Tui family right is that how you say it yeah Tui, Tui. Um, the ones who took him in like if, for those of you who don't know Michael Orr was a homeless person right Get taken in by a family was that in the south somewhere um, Alabama Mississippi, Mississippi somewhere down there ten, yeah. uh, plays high school football ends Tennessee up, ends up going to Ole Miss gets drafted by I think the Ravens played in the NFL whatever right so there, there's your backstory blaming them for kind of not even officially adopting him fake adopting him and like getting him to sign over like rights that say that he they can make money from like his profits from the story i guess or because apparently he hasn't been paid anything from the blind side but but and they have made a lot of money off of it i have the story right here that's what Go i more heard. in depth let's see the blind side subject michael orris has adoption by tui family was a lie and he was cut out of money from the movie oh yes so he wasn't compensated for the movie for his part in the movie or maybe he was but not as much 
Let's see, his attorney. The lie of Michael's adoption is one upon which co-conservators Leanne Tui and Sean Tui have enriched themselves at the expense of their ward, the undersigned Michael Orr, said the petition to terminate the conservatorship in Shelby County Court in Tennessee. Interesting. So he's just not making anything from it. No. And I'm assuming that's why he's getting pissed off. The Tuies negotiated a deal with 20th Century Fox that left Orr without any payment for the rights to his name, likeness, and life story, while the Tuie family received a contract price of $225,000 and 2.5% of the film's net proceeds. Now, how much did it make? How much did it look up The film has grossed over $300 million. And they had how many percent of that? 2.5%. $300 million? $300 million. Yeah, I might need a bigger calculator. We're going to figure it out, though. 300,000. Sorry, this is riveting. This is great. This is great math. Uh, Um, Wait, times 0.025. It says here also that the conservatorship was granted until or reached the age of 25 or until the court terminated the order, but the arrangement was never terminated, even though he is now past 25. So they made $7.5 million. $7.5 million. That's 2.5%. Okay, so then if he got like... I don't know if they would have signed him on for another two and a half. Like he probably should have made around seven to ten. I mean, million, it's probably. his story. It's about him. I would agree with you. He should definitely get money. Um, hey, I'm college, interested to see. If okay. College football players are getting NILs for their name and likeness, and they play three snaps a game, and you got a whole ass movie made about you, man. Yeah, so I'd now, be pissed. Now, my only like, I guess, rebuttal to Michael and what he's saying would be. When when did he sign that contract in terms of the blind side and everything? Right, because like for the movie, yes, I would probably imagine he after. had to have signed if he was after the age of eighteen. Like, I don't want to be like this naysayer, but like, you might be up up a crick without a paddle because if you're after the age of eighteen, like that is now right or not. I'm not saying it's right, but it's now your responsibility to get a lawyer and read the fine print. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If he's after the age of eighteen and there is his signature on paper, there's not going to be a lot that he can do. Okay. Well, the movie was. Released in 2009. It was filmed in 2008. How old was Michael Orr? How old is Michael Orr? So filmed in 2008, released yeah. in 2009? Yeah. So if it was filmed in 08, then he probably had to sign something in 08 or 07, 08? Yeah, but he he's 37 now. So, so that would have been 16 years ago. Yeah, so he would have been 21. Okay. And like, I, again, as long as he put pen to paper, like that's on him at the age of 21 to be able to read the fine print. Or to get an attorney to do so. Yes. yes. I'm not trying to blame him. I'm just saying from a legal standpoint, I'm not sure how much you he could do. you got to protect yourself. Right, I'm not sure how much he could do now, though. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know much. I don't I'm know. not a lawyer. I'm not a, I am not I don't do litigation. Is it, I don't even know if that's the right I mean, word. obviously, we've just been Googling things over here. So if we did, we'd be in some, uh, be in in some trouble. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the news. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys. That's it. So it's going to pick up here a little bit. we got Justin Herbert to talk about. Obviously, the contract extension. I think it's a good thing. I mean, when you have a, ge- I think he's a generational talent, and when you have a generational talent, you don't want to lose it. Right. To me, and Herbert's one of those those rare cases where, like like Joe Burrow, for example, even though we knew he was going to be pretty good, right, gets hurt his first year. Though everyone's like, okay, we need to see it, right? Jalen hurts, growing pains first year, second year kind of, or I guess first year didn't play much. Second year growing pains, third year kind of pops, right? Even then, we got to but we're still like, we still need to see it. Right, I think Herbert's one of those those rare cases where it's like I don't really like I don't he doesn't need to prove anything to me. 
Like he's at he's at the point where I think he's given clarity to the organization now that like he is the guy. Everybody else is replaceable if they don't get it done. Like and and Mahomes had this quality after the first year he wins an MVP they win a Super Bowl it's like okay I don't care who else stays it's Mahomes and everybody else is replaceable now you could argue Andy Reid but like even then Andy Reid's aging like if if you said Chiefs you have to choose right now they'd pick Mahomes you know like, it won't happen but, but my point is that gives the organization clarity on the flip side right like Daniel Jones you give him a ton of money you're not giving anybody clarity you're saying hey we're gonna pay a really average to below average quarterback really really high end money. So now everybody else is like, okay, well, then where's my bag? Because without us, he's nothing, right? Mahomes without your second wide receiver, bye, bye. We'll go get a guy in like the fifth round and he'll be fine. With Mahomes, he'll make it work, right? I think the same thing with Justin Herbert. Yes, we do need to see like playoff success before we crown him, quote unquote, like an all-time great or something like that. But in terms of a talent, in terms of a franchise quarterback, a top 10 quarterback at the worst, Justin Herbert has nothing to prove. Like, he has nothing to prove. And at this point, if they don't succeed, if they don't make the playoffs, or if they don't at least, I would argue if they don't win a playoff game, depends on how they lose it or how the season goes. Like, if injuries are a problem, like, there's an argument to be made on the contrary. But if they are healthy and they either miss the playoffs or they get in and they lose bad again, I think there's a very real real chance or real opportunity or real discussion to be had for Brandon Staley being fired. And I would be on the side of saying, absolutely, I would move on and I would go get a progressive, young, offensive coach. The league has tons of them. Now, they might not be McVay, Shanahan, we don't know, but like a Shane Steichen. Like, go get a really nice, young, elevate Kellen Moore, who's now your offensive coordinator, right? So I think he has now provided clarity in the room, and that's what that contract also tells you. We're making him the guy. Everybody else... Now it's time for you to rise to his level, or you're—it's it, his way, it's that way, or you're gone, point blank. Yes, and I think one of the biggest things that points to Justin Herbert being the guy and unanimously decided upon by the organization is you look at this schedule, and it's not easy by any means. I mean, they play some really good teams. They have the Dolphins early, so the Dolphins without injury could be very good. Is it where's it at? Uh, it's at home for the Chargers. Uh, it's in L.A. And then, I mean, but you have games like the Cowboys game is still going to be tough. Then you have the Chiefs after that. You have the Jets. Who knows what that looks like with Aaron Rodgers? Can they get that offense the offense going? I think they probably will. And the defense is going to be good. And then you have a game against the Lions right after that. Maybe not the most high-powered team, but they're going to be chippy. And well, I mean, the it's going to be a had, very rough game to well, win. The Lions had a top-five offense last year. I mean, like, they can make plays. Jared Goff with protection, and whether that's in L.A. or Detroit, like, it's going to be good good fair weather, you know? Like, there's no there's yeah. no rain or anything like that. Jared Goff with protection, especially, like, in good conditions, mm-hmm. fantastic. Can light it up. After that, you have to play the Ravens. Uh, you have the Patriots on the schedule. Any game against Bill Belichick is never an easy game. Then you have the Broncos right after that in division, right? And nobody knows how good Russell Wilson's going to be this year, but he's definitely going to be better than last year. I don't see him taking a step down. Um, and then they have the Bills later, uh, the Broncos again, and the Chiefs again to end it. So, I mean, like, when you can look at a yeah. schedule like this, and we gave them the prediction. I'm looking at it right here. We predicted them at 12-5 and five when we did the AFC West. That might even be a little ambitious now exactly. that I'm looking back. Um, but I don't see them anything less than a 10-11 to 11 win team. And that's what I think speaks to I think the greatness just, of Justin Herbert. Though. That's why we have not Like, being able to look at that schedule and think, you know what, they have a chance in almost every single so one wait, of these so, tough games. So, now go back through... Go through their entire schedule. You can go fairly quick. All right, Dolphins. They have a better quarterback. Titans. Yes. Vikings. Yes. Raiders. Yes. 
Cowboys. Yes. Chiefs. No. Bears. Yes. Jets. Yes. Ooh, right now, yes. Okay. Lions. Yes. Packers. Yes. Ravens. Yes. Patriots. Yeah. Broncos. Yep. Raiders. Yep. Bills. I'm going to go right now, no. I, I would also agree with that. Broncos. Yes. And Chiefs. No. So in like two games, so, so and there's three. a toss-up on maybe three. So there's, there's, there's three. Mahomes, twice, Josh Allen. And you could argue Aaron. Aaron. And I can and hear the argument for maybe Lamar. Yes. So so three for sure, and maybe two others that he's not the best. Like so he's gonna be the better quarterback in the game in what twelve or thirteen minimum of the games. Yeah. Like that gives you such a great chance to win. Well, even against Mahomes, let's not forget how he matches up. They match we all up remember great that, against the Chiefs. We all remember that game. It was punch for punch when uh, Herbert got hurt the ribs. I think he broke his rib, and then that he still throw, stayed out there. Was that fourth and one? Fourth and one, and dialed it up like what thirty some yards right on a down the rope. middle, on right off the rope. middle of the field. Yeah, no, he is special. Like that was that was an all time where I'm like looking at that. I'm like, wow. Well, that's when we came out in the next episode. We said the like the main takeaway is. Justin Herbert has that dog in him. I think you made a graphic about it. Probably. <laughs> like, he's a stud. Um, again, I think it, 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 it. there's now clarity in the room. It's it's like, yes, Austin Eckley, we, we like you. You're a ton of production. But with Justin Herbert, like, for example, Daniel Jones will not be able to get the same production out of a fourth-round rookie as he does Saquon, even yeah. if the, the player plays similar to Saquon. I agree. I think Justin Herbert could get about 85% of Austin Eckler's production yeah. for about 25% of the cost that Austin Eckler wants. Which is crazy. So Austin Eckler says he wants three years, $30 million, or four for 38 or whatever. Whatever he's asking for that is in the charter's mind too much, Yeah, you could slash that by 60% and pay like closer to league minimum for a guy, sixth-round rookie, and Justin Herbert could probably get 85% of the production out of him. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's like the difference. It doesn't, as long as you have somebody that fits his play style, he can elevate them to close enough of a level where they are highly competitive. I agree. And um, it's a pretty good argument for why we have him as our offensive player of the year this year too for the AFC West superlatives. Right. I mean, like Mahomes is the best quarterback, the best offensive player. Well, that's why he gave him the MVP. MVP. Right. Right, right, right. But I think after that, after Mahomes, I think the most prolific player in that division Justin is Herbert. Justin Herbert. There's an argument for Travis Kelsey, but I think with, you know, the position quarterback is going to be... I think it holds more value, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Either way, guys, that is all we have for you today. Make sure you come back next week. You're not going to want to miss that episode. 200th episode next week, and we have a ton of news to roll out with that. And like I said, big stuff coming during this week, right? So giveaway starts on Saturday. Uh, The Players Only Podcast, episode two, drops on Saturday. Make sure you're in the loop. Go sign up for the newsletter on the website. Follow all the social medias. All the links can be found at theissuesports.com. But, guys, until next week, that was The Issue.